Please rise in reverence for God's word. This morning's scripture reading is taken from Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive brother or your brother from your heart. You may be seated. Um, Many of you have been praying for me this weekend, and uh, I felt very carried, very lifted. I appreciate that. Um, had help particularly from Shauna and Kevin Gable, who uh, at the last minute were able to do something for me, and I really, really appreciate that. So thank you, Shauna, who is here, and Kevin, who is not. Um, one of the things that yesterday held for me was uh, Kevin came and helped, and he forgot diapers, and so his son needed a, to change his diapers. So I said, well, I'll run across the street and grab some and run back. And while I across the street, I found this... Uh, edition of the Calgary Sun, and I knew I was speaking on forgiveness today, and uh, this is a headline of the Calgary Sun. 
So I bought it. And in it is a story of a widow whose husband was beaten to death and um, by potentially three people. Two were convicted. And uh, this is what she said to them. May you be spared for your wrongdoings in life. My husband does not have a second chance in this life, but you do. I hope you take it and turn it around to provide goodness to this society and for yourselves. May these young people find peace and have genuine remorse when, they're, uh, when they are able to face their truth and take responsibility for their actions. On behalf of my departed husband, I want them to know that we would want each of you, each of them, excuse me, to have another opportunity to do right by the world. And I read that and I was amazed at this woman. Um, her husband was beaten to death. And often when you read occasions like that in the paper, you read um, that the sentence was not har uh, harsh enough or they should die. But this woman said, your sentence, I understand that, but may you have peace. May you do right in work. You have a second chance, so don't waste it. And I was very impressed and convicted by that. So think of a time when you have been wronged or hurt by somebody. Because we all had such times. Have you ever been betrayed by someone in the business venture? Have you ever had a friend turn their back on you? Have you, ever, have you ever shared some personal insensitive information only to have it used against you? Have you ever been on the receiving end of an unmerited insult or gossip or an unfair outburst of anger or even an unfaithful wife or husband or abuse? Sometimes the wrong done to us is fairly slight. Sometimes it is profoundly and deeply hurtful. So what, what should you do? Should you forgive? Yes. And we know that in our heads at least. Jesus, as, we, as he was nailed to the cross, forgave those men who even then were swinging the hammer. And we should be like Jesus, right? Forgive. But what if they've never asked for forgiveness? Forgive. But he doesn't deserve to be forgiven. What if they're not even sorry? Forgive. What if they keep on doing it? Forgive. Forgiveness is not saying it's all right. I'm sorry, but that's okay. It's not all right. Forgiveness is not putting yourself in the position to necessarily have them do it again. But forgiveness is, I don't hold this against you. This will not affect my treatment of you or my thoughts toward you. So we forgive. After all, it's the Christian thing to do. Um, it's not the Christian thing to do, as talked about in Pride and Prejudice by that 
unfortunate clergyman, Mr. Collins, he said, you ought certainly to forgive them as a Christian, but never admit them into your sight, nor allow their names to be mentioned in your hearing. Well, that's not exactly for forgiveness as a Christian. But we truly and meaningfully forgive because it's the Christian thing to do. And that's hard. Peter thought forgiving seven times was hard. But Jesus thought 77 times, or maybe 70 times seven. But with God's grace and grace, an awful lot of grace, we can do it. And it ends there, right? That's what the Bible has to say about forgiveness. But then there is the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus throws a wrench in our understanding of forgiveness. It's a great reversal. Listen, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, Jesus used the word debts on purpose. To wound somebody is to incur a, incur a moral debt, to owe them something. To forgive is to erase the debt. But you see the great reversal. Do we think that Christ is a great example of forgiveness? That just as we have been forgiven, we too should forgive. Okay? The Bible says, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And forgive one another as Christ forgave you. Jesus turns it around. God, please forgive our sins as we have forgiven others. Our forgiveness of others seems to come first. And as we forgive others, on that basis, we ask for our own forgiveness. And if there's any doubt that Jesus means this, uh, right after the Lord's Prayer, in the same teaching moment, as it were, Jesus said this, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others' trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. And what about the parable we've just had read? A king's servant owes a king literally millions of dollars, 10,000 talents. There's no way he could ever possibly repay his debt. But that's okay because the king is merciful. And while this servant pleads for mercy, the king forgives the debt. How many of you have ever been forgiven a debt of millions of dollars? But upon leaving the, palace, the, leaving the palace, the servant comes upon a man who owes him several thousand dollars. Now, some people tell this story and say the man owed just a few dollars. No, he didn't. His debt was fairly substantial, a hundred denarii, but not millions, but substantial. And this man likewise pleads for mercy, some time to repay the debt. But the king's servant, who has just been forgiven millions, shows no mercy on the man who owes him thousands. He has him thrown in jail. When the king hears of it, he calls the servant back in and said, if that's the way you treat others who owe you money, then I too will treat you the same way. And the king throws him in prison until he should repay his millions. So not only does the king choose not to forgive, he actually rescinds his forgiveness. That's very, that's very odd. We say justification by faith. 
But here, it sure looks, in fact, it says so explicitly, that our own forgiveness, own forgiveness depends on what we do. It depends on whether we forgive others or not. It seems like the forgiveness of our own sin is contingent on us forgiving the sins of others. So, do we make a deal with God? If I forgive, will you forgive? Or does God make a deal with us? If you'll forgive, then I'll forgive. What, what do we do with that? So, I find this helpful. We often think of two categories. God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of others. And we can live in God's forgiveness, but it's a separate, separate category. And as for our forgiveness of others, we can forgive or try to forgive, as in, I forgive you, but. Or like the guy in the story, not forgive at all. But whatever is in entirely different category, unrelated to God's forgiveness of us. I think it's more like a room. This room is where forgiveness lives. To have forgiveness for your sins means that God has drawn you into this room and surrounded you with his forgiveness. So the guy in the story that was forgiven his debt of millions, he was in the room. He experienced forgiveness. But he didn't stay in the room. He left the room. And when he found the man who owed him a few thousand he wasn't living in the realm of forgiveness. It did not, he could not forgive. He had, he had left forgiveness behind. And the king said, well, if you're going to live out there, then you don't have access to my forgiveness either. You either live in forgiveness or you don't. You can't enjoy God's forgiveness and ignore your own forgiveness of others. They happen together. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Of course, there's good reasons to forgive others. To hang on to unforgiveness is to let, to let something unhealthy into your own soul. Nelson Mandela said, Resent, I love this, resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. And unforgiveness is letting poison into you. And the person that you have resentment for may not even know that you have bitterness against him or her. The only person you hurt is yourself. How much does this glass of water weigh? Six ounces, 10 ounces. It doesn't really matter. It's easy to hold up. But holding it for five or 10 minutes, you get pretty uncomfortable. Holding it for an hour is painful. And eventually, it's all you can think about. Some people hold on to resentment, to unforgiveness, to bitterness for years. And it kills them. Theologian Lewis Smeeds has said that to forgive is to set a prisoner 
prisoner free and to discover that the prisoner was you. Forgiveness frees you. Now, is that true? Yes. But that's not what the Bible says is to be a reason to forgive other people's debts. That's just another way, I think, of being self-focused. So what is the biblical reason to forgive? Because God says so. God says so. God says you must forgive. Forgive one another as in Christ God forgave you. That's it. God says we must forgive, not seven times, not 77 times, or 77 times, but in other words, over and over and over and over again. But as I said a few moments ago, but he doesn't deserve it. But God says, forgive him. Show grace. But she's not even sorry. God says, forgive. But forgive him for even that? Yeah. Forgive. I heard a big-name pastor whom I very much admire say that if wounding happened over years, like in a setting of drunkenness or abuse, then we can't be expected to forgive right away either. We need to work through some things before we are even able to consider forgiveness. Now, I know where this idea comes from. A concern for the well-being of the hurt person for the fact that they got a fair bit to walk through with God in order to find healing. I get that. But if forgiveness is something God has said, you must do this, then not only must we, but I think God has given us everything we need to forgive. But I'm not ready to forgive. Are you ready to obey the commands of God? Yes, you are. And you're more than ready because God holds your hand and whispers, yes, you can. I can help you. Now, forgiveness may not be a one-shot deal. In fact, it very seldom is. You may have to forgive over and over and over again. Forgive day by day to live in an attitude of constant forgiveness. And there may be a force sucking you toward the door that leads out of the room of forgiveness. But as you turn to God and let him keep you inside, by his grace, you are able to forgive. It doesn't make the wound go away, but I think it's a necessary first step toward healing. I'm not ready to forgive. Forgiveness is not a matter of what I feel like. It's a matter of obedience. It's not a matter of emotion, it's a matter of faith. It's not for spiritual giants to be able to summon the strength of character to forgive. It's you and me, rank and file Christians, who say, Lord, you said it, so I will honor your word and all forgive. And frankly, to not forgive, to willfully withhold forgiveness, is to sin. So think of those who have sinned against you. Whom do you need to forgive? Who has gossiped about you? Who has broken their word to you? Who did you not think was a friend, 
Who did you think was a friend, but when you needed them, they weren't there? Or who abused you? Who sold cigarettes and alcohol to your kids? Was there a drunk driver in your past? Whom do you need to forgive? And let's face it. How many people have had to forgive you? I remember in high school, my friends and I sitting down with another friend and outlining all the reasons why we didn't like her. She was in tears. I remember treating our French teacher appallingly, making fun of him to his face. And we were Christian kids. I have often wished that I knew where he was and had the chance to apologize and seek his forgiveness and countless other sins over the years. But that's nothing compared to our sins against God. Think about it. A God who is infinite in his beauty, majesty, his holiness, but that's not all. He's infinite in his love for you. Nobody has ever loved you like he does. His love is perfect. He never, never does anything but what is in your best interest. But what have you done? You've countless times ignored him, ignored what you knew was right, committed sins against him. You maybe have crawled back all remorseful only to go out and do the same things again. And you've racked racked up debts against him, millions of dollars, billions of dollars. And you're always accumulating more and more. What do you do? You can't possibly pay him back. And these are not metaphorical debts. These are offenses, crimes against the holiness of God. You, we, were in deep weeds, absolutely lost. And yes, God is merciful, but God is also a God of justice. The debt must be paid. And I don't know if you have ever stopped and thought about the extent of your sin against God, the nature of your sin. It's far worse than you have ever imagined. Vladimir Putin is an altar boy in comparison. And I'm not just saying this for effect. Your sin, my sin, really does warrant an eternity in hell, in prison until we pay the debt which we can never do. It's more than sobering. It causes weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the strange thing is, even before we realized that we had done wrong, God was already taking care of the problem. And don't underestimate this. He gave his son over to death. He gave his son. Some of you have sons. This is an unbelievable price to pay. He gave his son of infinite worth to cover our infinite debt. The small sins, the great sins, each sin, every sin. And that's why St. Paul said, through this man, Jesus... Forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed. In the song Amazing Grace, we sang it. 
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was in a church once when the, when the pastor changed the word to a soul like me because he thought wretch was too harsh. I mean, we've been saved. But grace found me when I was a wretch. And I was a wretch, and so were you. But what amazing grace that God would save us, that Jesus would die for you, that God would draw us into his room of forgiveness, which we had no right to enter, where he is, forgiven millions of dollars. And then would we leave forgiveness and hold someone to a debt of a few thousand dollars? When we look at the forgiveness that we have received, how can we not forgive others? No matter what they have done against us. Forgive as God in Christ forgave you. It's not easy to do this on our own strength. Certainly not. But here too we depend on God's grace. Not only grace to be forgiven, but grace to forgive. So maybe Jesus didn't turn around after all. Maybe our forgiveness and God's forgiveness happened together. Maybe to withhold forgiveness means we haven't received God's forgiveness at all. And this widow is amazing. And we can all learn something from her. But more importantly, we can learn something from God and from Jesus and learn what it means to forgive. Amen? Amen. Let me pray.